welcome to A Moment of Bach, where we take our favorite moments from the composer's vast musical output, just a minute's worth or even a few seconds, and show you why we think they are remarkable. We are your hosts, Alex and Christian Giebert. Today's moment is from the Orgelbuchlein, a chorale prelude for organ called Ich ruf zu dir, Herr Jesu Christ, BWV 639. So the organ is an instrument that's usually built into a building, you know? (laughs) Yep. Not always, though. I mean, there are portable organs. Back in the day, there were portable organs, but many organs were designed for particular buildings. And for those of you unfamiliar with how the organ is played and how the music is read, you've maybe seen that sometimes there are more than one keyboard. We call those manuals. And then the feet have their own keys to press down. We call that the pedals or the pedal board. Some organs just are one manual and no feet. Some organs have pedals and two manuals. Some organs have a pedal board and three or four or more manuals. But can we explain very simply, Alex, why you would need more than one? I mean, why just not put your left hand and right hand on one? I think the simplest way is to say you can make different sounds on each keyboard. So you might want the left hand doing one sound and the right hand doing a different sound. I think that's the simple way to say it. Yeah, so you can play one different type of sound on the left hand and the uh, and another on the right hand. And musically, it's not like those two have to be equal either. Right. You know, one can be in the background, the other can be the melody. And it's a good way to distinguish what should be thought of as the melody. But it doesn't always have to be like that. Sometimes you can get away with playing a lot of music just with the same manual and both hands on it. And that's kind of easier because next thing to think about is how thick is the musical texture of notes that you're playing. If you're talking about music from the time of Bach, it's probably arranged with sort of more linear voice parts. So if there's a bass voice part, that one's easy. That goes to the feet. The feet have the lowest notes. But if there are four parts in the music, then three parts might need to be shared between your two hands that are all on one manual. Yeah, or one, yeah, one manual, one keyboard. And just to be really clear here, when you're saying voices, Christian, you're meaning like a musical line, Mm -hmm. not necessarily a singer. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So like a violin's melody, in addition to a cello's second melody or counter melody, if they're both playing at the same time and they're written to be in harmony, but also kind of sound like they both have their own line, that's what we mean here by linear voices. It's something that is very common in the Baroque era. Because of the history that happened before the Baroque period, people weren't always thinking about chords yet, they were still thinking very linear.
Yeah, it's kind of fun to see Bach's mind working toward the future, like thinking a little more about chords, especially in the harpsichord works, where you have this idea of the voice is happening. There's some melody line usually on top or whatever, but sometimes it will be in five voices suddenly or then now down to two or whatever, and he knows that he's using that instrument in a way that you don't have to really keep it the same amount of voices the whole time. But organ is a little different. The organ is different if you were to play a whole bunch of notes on the organ, it would sound really, really loud and big, and then switch to just one or two at a time, and it would sound a lot thinner because the control is very different than you know managing an orchestra or a choir. Right. It's worth a little reminder here about volume with these instruments. We talked about back when we talked about the Saraband from English Suite Number 1, we talked about how harpsichords, you can't do much to control the volume except for playing thicker chords makes it louder. It's a little bit soft anyway, just as an instrument. With organ, you can assign different ranks of basically pipes, different like sets of pipes to the different manuals or the keyboards to change volumes, right? You can you can put the louder stuff on your great organ manual and then you can get some loud sounds or you can put the softer stuff on there and get some soft sounds and that's a really important way organists control volume but you cannot do it by pressing the key down harder it does not matter on an organ it has no touch sensitivity for the key like it would in a piano yeah the piano is often our baseline assumption but it's easy to forget that that instrument is newer and organs are hundreds of years older And so the way they manage sound and orchestration and how big, how soft, how colorful, how dry, how rich, how full, all those things are managed by how you combine sounds together and which sounds you pick in the first place and which sounds you add on top of other sounds and on top of those and on top of those. For a piece like this, where there are three separate lines, one in the right hand, one in the left hand, and one in the feet, the pedals, Most organists would, just like you'll see our organists do for this example from the Netherlands Bach Society, most organists would have three different sounds there, one for each of these lines. The right-hand line being a melody, so it can be brought out a little bit stronger, maybe with a more interesting color. The left hand being a counter melody that's a little more background, can be played on something a little softer sounding. And the pedals also somewhat of a background thing. In this one he plays them even softer than the left hand, and they just kind of float in the background. Yeah, because that's the thing about a composition for the organ like this one. This one is not just some notes that are all played together. This one has three different musical voices that are supposed to be texturally combined in a very specific way. Bach wrote a very ambitious set of chorale preludes. This is the first time we've done one from the Orgelbüchlein. A book, a little book of organ stuff. Not really little though. 
In fact, it's not even as big as Bach planned it to be. He did manage to get 46 of them in there. They are chorale preludes for organ, meaning that these are arrangements of well-known church melodies from the time. Kind of interesting that Bach chooses to write in the foreword that it's for educational purposes. That would be a heck of an education because if you're playing the entire Orgelbüchlein and you're at that level as an organist, then I would say that you're probably pretty advanced already. Yeah. This particular chorale prelude that we look at today, Ich ruf zu dir, Herr Jesu Christ, is one that a lot of young organists and aspiring organists get tasked with. I remember having to practice this one and this being a real mountain to climb, practice-wise. And it's because of what we're talking about with the voices. It's actually unusual within the Orgelbüchlein. Almost everything else is for four parts. And it's like we said, the bottom part is in the pedals, but the other three parts are often just with both hands. So it's easier to manage three notes at a time with two hands, because you've got ten fingers. But this one, it calls for your hands to be placed on two separate manuals. You mentioned, Alex, that the pedal part here sort of plods along, and in our recording is played pretty softly, or the sound that's chosen for it is pretty soft. Leo von Dusselar, the organist who plays this, who we also recognize from many other Netherlands Bach Society videos, like uh, some of the bigger works too, he chooses three very specific sounds for this. They're not, they don't sound like each other. There's a lot of contrast between them. The melody is at the top. Usually it's given some sort of solo sound. Few options you have on an organ for this. There's often a solo stop called the oboe, or you could just combine a few other things together. There's so many different ways to do it. Yeah, some great solo sounds on different organs, and you can give each piece a certain character. Sometimes you can even have like a rank. You can pull a rank that's like a normal, let's just call it a normal sound, and then you can pull another one that's called a mutation, which is basically like if you play a C, it really plays a G or whatever. And it gives it a little kind of an interesting overtone that gives it a lot of character. Yeah, color. Yeah. A rank being a set a set of the same sound, right, right. Alex? Yeah, it's like it's like a Chipotle burrito. Organ registration is like a Chipotle oh, burrito because there are Yeah. <laughs> Cause because of the virtually infinite combinations. Uh, yeah. There's always a way to tweak something just a little bit, and there's usually a good way to do it, and safe ways too. But there's also a lot of interesting experimental stuff Ooh, you can do. I like this analogy, because like the meat is the foundations or whatever, right? Like the the solid mm. lower sounds, but the color, like the interesting taste, might be more like the salsa or sour cream or guac or something like that. So in this analogy, 
Christian, what is sour cream? Hmm, probably strings. Yeah, I think you're right. What about like a hot yeah. salsa? Those would be like mixtures, I yeah, think. Or, or reeds, or maybe. Yeah, something a little like abrasive. A reed. Yeah. yeah. A trumpet. Trumpet would be the the hot the hottest one. I feel like I feel like that your meat is like your foundations and you have beans and rice or like strings and flutes, respectively. I think the bean I think the beans and rice are the flutes. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wait, but then what's the tortilla? So the tortilla is the piece of music? Oh, wait, but then what if you get a bowl without a tortilla? No, okay, the tortilla is not the piece of music. The tortilla is, uh, maybe the tortilla is the foundations, and then if you, like, get a bowl, then that's the interesting sound you can get by not having those foundations playing. Yeah, the tortilla is what holds it all together, so that's got to be the lowest thing. Maybe that's the the foundations. Mm-hmm. Are you, you are the tortilla. Oh. <laughs> Anyway. No, I, li- I like that analogy. I think that's uh, very apt. So as, as a person who is going to play a piece of organ music, you do have all these choices, and also every organ is different too, so it's really kind of endless, the possibilities of sound. And so for this, you do have to select three different ones. And the middle one is the most interesting, I think, because it's not the melody... It's not the tune that people would know. It is the thing that gives it its really sort of dreadful lamenting character. I call to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I beg of you to hear my cries. Klagen is the word there, the noun, the German word for cries or crying out. Grant me mercy at this time, do not let me despair. The true faith, Lord, I mean that you would give me to live for you, to be of use to my neighbor, to keep your word faithfully. So this is, this is really from a place of anguish. It's sort of a running theme we have on some of the Bach works that we've looked at this year. A sort of really difficult time where you're crying out. And how does Bach musically paint that? There's a lot of different ways. We've looked at some vocal works where he paints that within the vocal writing. And, in, and here, it's the character of each part of this musical texture. And that middle part that snakes around with those faster notes that's the heart of this. If that wasn't there, this wouldn't work at all. Yeah. And then that that pedal part that just like goes bum, bum, bum. Yeah. That too. I, I really love the word clogging landing on the way that it lands. It, it just, it has that, he gives it a little ornamentation and it, it has that wailing or like lamentation kind of. feel to like I think that's what the the character of that word is not just cry but it's like it's like a lamentation you know or like keening or something yeah wailing wailing. and then the other time that we land on that same figure it's the word verzagen yeah verzagen which is like despair right yeah it's it's a it's really heart-wrenching stuff which Bach was so talented at 
at setting to music. And if you knew the words to this song, you would be listening for where those imagined words would land in the music. Right. It's like hearing it in our context, you might be like, oh, this is a beautiful piece of music or whatever. But hearing it in that context, if you know if you know the words to the chorale, then it has a little bit more meaning. In the edition that I learned from, this one, I'm showing you, Alex, right here at the uh, Orgelbüchlein. My favorite edition is this one that has the big old forward, and it goes through all of the ornamentation uh, and describes everything. And for each chorale prelude, it describes the character that you should use, and it actually even suggests organ stops for you to use. It's the edition by Robert Clark and John David Peterson, uh, Concordia Publishing House. It has introduction and commentary all over it. It's yeah. really cool. In the commentary to this prelude, it talks about the affect of supplication in time of despair and how you should reflect that in your organ registration. So that should be the combination of uh, spices and so on that you use in this particular flavor of, uh, of orchestration here. Affect meaning you know, the, the German word affect, A-F-F-E-K-T, which has more of an old meaning of like feel, I guess yeah, you could feel, say. feel, character. How would you translate character that Character or vibe, character. maybe, or like identity. Vibe. Something like that. Yeah. So you're saying this is this is like a contrite Chipotle burrito. Yeah. Yeah, this... This is a burrito that you would eat while preparing yourself for the confession of sins? Maybe. <laughs> yeah. This this is a very very delicious burrito, but it's like heartbreakingly delicious. Hmm. Hmm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> the burrito of despair. Yeah. But I do like again with the burrito analogy, the different Mexican restaurants are the different organs, right? Like an organ at a certain oh, church has a lot of different interesting organ stops that have a lot of different color. That's like a restaurant that happens to have a bunch of different ingredients that you can, can use. There might be a smaller organ, but every last one of those ranks on it just is like perfect and perfectly voiced and everything. And that might be like one of those places that you go to where there aren't a lot of options, but everything is good. Yeah, where they don't have that many different kinds of ingredients for the burrito, but you know it's good because it's just a good place. Yep. There are some smaller organs that are like that. There are some ones that are way too big for where they are and everything's falling out, you know? Yeah, yeah the center cannot hold. On that burrito. There's there's ones that don't fit, you know. You, the tortilla is the is the acoustic space of that's the it. place that the that's, organ is. That's what that's what it is. The tortilla is like the walls enwrapping the the acoustic space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this organ that 
Alex, you and I played on in the CU Center, the Casa event in Concordia University in Irvine, is like a bursting at the seams burrito. Like it's, you can get that thing to where it's almost too big for the room it's in. Yeah. Although that's French, so maybe it's a quiche or something. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're stretching this analogy as much as we can. Mm-hmm. Much like trying to fit as much as you mm-hmm. can into a burrito. I think it's time to wrap up this analogy, Christian. <laughs> okay. Well, my favorite moment from this relatively short thing was really hard to pick because the whole thing flows so well. But I'm going to have to go with the cadence at the end, the couple of chords that follow up to it. A delightfully strange and particularly anguished progression where the bass has D-flat and then it moves to B-natural, almost like it's swinging around almost to be on target and finally goes up to C. And then it goes down to F where it belongs. And it's a weird sound. Especially considering that at the time, this was a weird key to play something in that has a lot to do with the affect. Yeah, that's a good point. Sadly, this doesn't matter very much anymore on modern organs or really most modern instruments. But like we said in, way back in episode six, at this time, people were still using a variety of more subtle tuning systems that were only really appropriate in a handful of keys. And you didn't really use F minor too much. Yeah, that's true. And this this chorale prelude is functionally in the key of F minor. Interestingly, in a lot of editions, not written that way. Yeah. And the organist in our version here, Leo van Dusselaar, um, he says he likes the key of this. He talks about that in the video. You know, most of these no, mm-hmm. most of these Netherlands Box Society videos, we don't mention this enough. Most of them have little companion pieces that are like short interviews with the performer or the conductor. And they're, they're great. You should always mm-hmm. go check those out. Sometimes they just autoplay on YouTube, depending on your settings. But it's great. He talks about the piece and why he loves it. He talks about the key. Yeah, he does talk about the key that it's in and how it sounds a little bit off in the instruments of Box Day, which was very much the intention. Yeah. He could have written this in D minor. And then it just would have been like any old other thing, you know, in, or even C minor or G minor. Right. But you could you could still play it, you know, to, on today's organs, and it sounds amazing in F minor. I mean, or you can play it on, you know, there's different versions. There's a version for piano that's very nice. I don't know if I, I don't want to say I'm not a purist. I like the original thing, but uh, but the the version for piano is nice. Sometimes Sometimes transcriptions are really nice. We should link in the description also a nice version for piano that's played by Tatiana Nikoleva. I do believe that the music of Bach lends itself to a lot of different, really interesting arrangements and transcriptions, and so I can't I can't uh, say that I am a purist, I guess. But we love the Netherlands Bach Society videos because they are period appropriate. So I'm both. I want the <laughs> I want to know what it's like, what it's supposed to be like, what it was supposed to sound like, but I also I'm very interested in people's interpretations. I think you can be both. I don't think you have to choose your particular preference. And there are a lot of aspects of the bro- of Baroque music that are like that anyway, like the, 
the slurring pattern in the fast middle voice of this prelude. Do you use what Bach did in his autograph score, which suggests like maybe a viol, like an older instrument is what it kind of sounds like? Yeah. Or do you do something completely different with it? You know, there's so many different, so many different I think this would pick. sound cool with a, with a woodwind trio of oboe and clarinet on that middle running line and then bassoon on the bottom. I think this would sound really nice. Um, the yeah. clarinet, I'm looking at the notes here. Clarinet just barely makes it on some of those. It might be a little soft in the low re- register. And then also it's, it just keeps going with all these 16th notes, that middle voice. So it'd be difficult. You'd have to kind of slow down ends of phrases, catch a breath as the clarinetist. It'd be, sound really nice. Yeah, a lot of this stuff is so flexible. And yet it's absolutely supposed to be this way when played on the organ. Right. And it's supposed to be even like a training thing. Like Bach said, the pedals are mandatory and that's why this is good for learning pedals but what he meant by by that is that the pedal part is written in and you can't just harmonize this with your hands you have to use the whole thing but if you're going to rearrange it uh, for a different different instrumentation completely there's definitely some promise in that the the music of this time period lends itself to that more than other time periods i think because of what we just said today about musical texture and how it's often linear so you can just assign those parts like you said alex there's only three parts maybe three woodwind players could play this they totally could yeah and now here is the last line of the chorale prelude ich ruf zu dir herr jesu christ If this introduction to a musical moment has inspired you to hear the rest of this piece, please see the link in the episode description to see the performance of Ich Ruf zu dir, Herr Jesu Christ by Leo von Düsseler for the Netherlands Bach Society. Do you want to hear our new episodes as we release them? Find us on your podcast app and hit subscribe. Also, check out our Facebook and Instagram and and our website. If you give us a rate, and a review that really helps other people find the podcast. Thanks. So Alex, we're coming up on actually the planned end of the season of A Moment of Bach. We haven't mentioned this yet, but we want to give people a chance to catch up and get ready for our second season. Right. The thing that we're planning to do is end in October and then sort of have a little fun with the last episode, do some wrapping up of the season, and that'll be... Bachtoberfest. Yeah. And then all of those people that we know and you know who said, Oh, I'm listening to your podcast, but I'm so far behind. This is their chance to catch up. Because it is a lot, one new episode every week. So yes. we want to retain our listeners and not overwhelm them. So come on and catch up, and you'll have plenty of time before we start the next season. Yep, we're planning on starting season two in January. So that leaves us with a couple more episodes now. So Alex, what's next? So what's next is we'll talk about the musical offering, which is a nice little collection of keyboard pieces that Bach wrote for King Frederick the Great of Prussia. And I'll focus in on a specific one that's lovingly known as the Crab Canon because it 
can be played backward and forward, and then it can also be played simultaneously backward and forward. There's a lovely video, pretty recently dropped from Netherlands Box Society on the Crab Cannon. And we're going to talk about that and its connection to a wonderful book called Gödel Escherbach by Douglas Hofstadter. Until next time, enjoy those moments. Thank you.